Paul wrote, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle, nor having any such thing, but that she be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. For he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. People say in our day and time, what difference does it make if you go to church? When Jesus comes back, He's coming for the church. Jesus died for you, but he also said, according to the Bible, that he died for the church. And so I want to encourage you to be a part of the church, to be a part of the body, and to make sure that everybody you know is a part of the body, that they're plugged in to the work of the church because Jesus is coming back for us one day. Amen? Friends, I am convinced that many of the things that we take for granted in this life the greatest one is the gift of sight. Would you agree we take a lot of things for granted? Have you ever taken for granted the fact that you can see? Those of us who can see really don't know what it's like to be one of those that can't see. Max Licato wrote about Bob Edens, who was blind for 51 years. He could not see a thing. Bob felt his way through five decades of darkness. And then all of a sudden, one day, he could see. A skilled surgeon had performed a very delicate operation, and for the first time in his life, Bob Edens could see. He found the ability to see completely overwhelming. He said, I would have never dreamed that yellow was so yellow. He said, I don't have the words to describe to you to tell you how amazed I was at yellow. But my favorite color is red. I just can't believe red. But now I can also see the shape of the moon. And there is nothing better to me than seeing a jet plane fly across the sky with a long vapor trail piercing the blueness of the sky. Of course, there's nothing that compares with a sunrise. Nothing compares with a sunset. And at night, I'm completely overwhelmed at the sheer number of stars in the sky. You can never know how wonderful everything is when you can see. I want you to close your eyes for a second. And I want you to imagine if what you're seeing right now is all you could see for your whole life. Have you ever put a blindfold on and had someone lead you around? It's a very sinking feeling. It's an unsure feeling. 
But that's exactly what it's like for thousands of people who are blind. So imagine for a moment what it would be like if you could never see a sunset. Imagine what it would be like if you could never see the faces of those you love. Imagine what it would be like if you could never see the trees, if you could never see the colors of the flowers. Imagine what it would be like if you could never see any of those things. The man that we're getting ready to read about had never seen any of those things in his whole life. On page 949 in the Bibles in front of you, the Bible says in John chapter 9, in verse 1, Now Jesus passed by, and as he did, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Jesus said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is still day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had said these things, he spat on the ground and he made clay with the saliva and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he told that man, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent, and so he went, and he washed, and he came back seeing. Therefore, the neighbors and those who had previously seen that this man was blind said, Is this not the one who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, Well, he's like him. But he said, I am he. I am he. Therefore, they said to him, how were your eyes opened? And he answered and he said, a man called Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes, and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and I washed and I received my sight. And then they said to him, where is he? And he said, I don't know. Interesting, interesting, interesting. The great lesson in this passage, friends, comes from the fact that just as this blind beggar comes to see Jesus the Savior, he also offers us spiritual sight to see Jesus not only as the Savior, but the Lord of our lives. So in our scripture verses today, I want to begin by noticing this. The disciples... The followers of Jesus, the Christians, the church folks made a false assumption. In the United States of America, a person goes blind every 20 minutes. But this man had been blind from birth. He'd never seen anything. He'd never seen the glory of a sunrise. He'd never seen the mountains crowned with snow caps. He'd never seen the wonders of animals, the smile on a child's face, or the radiance of a beautiful woman. Friends, this man, this blind man, 
is a picture of us. A picture of us without Jesus. The Bible says that Satan, the God of this evil world, has blinded the minds of those who do not believe so that they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news that is shining upon them. You see, the Bible often equates blindness with the condition of a lost person. They have no spiritual sight. The lost can't see spiritual things just like the blind can't see natural things. So how do you show a blind person a brilliant sunset? How do you show a blind person the beauty of a red rose? How do you show a blind person the intensity of a blazing fire? Well, you don't show them, do you? You tell them. You tell them, likewise, faith in Jesus Christ, faith in the Lord, salvation comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You don't show them, you tell them. Friends, never underestimate the power of God to change a life through the power of the words found in this book. This book can change a life if you'll only Crack the book. Jesus said it's not because of his sins or his parents' sins. He was born blind so that the power of God could be seen in him. Now I wondered how in the world could the glory of God be manifested in a person who had such desperate situations. He's blind. He's begging day to day. How can God be glorified in that? Well, think of your own life for a second. Times come and you've done everything you can do to try to solve a problem. Think about this. You've explored the options. You have exhausted your resources. You've asked for advice. You've done what was suggested, but nothing seems to change. Your situation still stays the same. You may have constantly prayed. You've asked other people to pray, but still, no answer, no change. What in the world are you to do? Well, I want to tell you the truth this morning. The solution to the problem may not come in this lifetime. Did you hear me? The solution to your problem may not come in this lifetime. And the solution to your problem may not even be about you. It may be about somebody else. See, regardless of our difficulties, regardless of whether or not our burden is removed, I want you to know something this morning. God is at work. God is at work. And he may use your experience to encourage somebody else who's traveling down the very same road. He may use your suffering to break through the hardness of somebody else's heart so that change can occur in their life. It may be that God wants to use your struggle to motivate somebody else to keep on keeping on. You see, your difficulty, your struggle, your challenge may not be about you at all. Look at verse 4 again. 
Jesus said, I must work while it is still day because night's coming. Now, what in the world does that mean? Well, I think it means simply that we better get to work doing the works of Christ while we still have time on earth to do it. You may think your life is a long time, but it's a short time. And we only have a very short amount of time to do the works of Jesus Christ while we're on this planet. Every day, people are dying from this life and going on to the next. Opportunities pass quickly. Did you hear that? Opportunities pass quickly. Opportunities are like a vapor. They're here today. They're gone tomorrow. But no matter what your circumstances are, listen, don't waste your life. Don't waste an opportunity. Even if it's difficult, even if it's challenging, don't waste an opportunity. The crisis of this blind man Blind since birth turned out to be an opportunity to glorify God. Don't waste a crisis. Don't waste a crisis in your life. It may be an opportunity to do a God-sized work. When we think of the challenges that Hadley went through for her first three months on this planet... Now look at this God-sized work that has occurred through the challenges that beset Lance and Tiffany. You've got them too. You're going through struggles in your relationships. Maybe your marriage is on the rocks. But maybe God is wanting to use that opportunity to do a God-sized work. The problem is we just don't let him do it, do we? Don't waste a crisis and don't ever underestimate your role or your significance in God's work in the church. But you see, there are a whole lot of Christians doing nothing. There are a whole lot of Christians doing nothing. But there's not a single Christian not even one who has nothing to do. I must do the works of he who sent me. While it is still day, because night's coming, friend, the end of your life is coming, have you been doing the works of the one who sent you, the one who has created you? I read about a young man named Woody. Woody was stricken with rheumatoid arthritis at age 15. Juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. 30 years later, Woody was totally paralyzed except for one finger. Woody could barely move anything else. He could barely speak. And he was completely blind. But with that one finger... Woody learned how to operate a tape recorder. And with that tape recorder, he would speak into that recorder. And with that, he author authored several articles, many books, and he led a happy life influencing other people from G for Jesus Christ 
from his bed. The only thing that worked was his heart, his lungs, his brain, and that finger. And yet Woody had the wherewithal to say this. He said, Lord, if this is my plot in life that you've staked out for me, let's you and I together see what we can grow on it. Woody lived a happier, more useful life with one finger than many people do with excellent health. You see, the disciples, they made a false assumption. They assumed that this blind man couldn't be used by the light of the world. That God couldn't use this poor, blind beggar man for the glory of God. But then they witnessed the blind man being anointed. Look there in verse 6. When he said these things, he spat on the ground and he made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. And so he went and washed and he came back seeing. Now, as I read that, I said, that is the most peculiar way to give sight to a blind man. I mean, what is the deal about Jesus doing this miracle in such a strange way? Well, there's a few things you need to know about this miracle. First of all, the man did not receive sight because of Jesus' spit. Amen? This man did not receive his sight because of the clay with which human beings are made of. This man did not receive his sight even because Jesus anointed his eyes. I want to tell you something this morning. That Jesus never does anything without purpose. Jesus never does anything in your life without purpose. Jesus never does anything in the body of Christ here at Bethel without purpose. Jesus doesn't, doesn't do anything through your difficulties unless those difficulties are there for a purpose. Consider this. The purpose of the spit was to make the clay. The purpose of the clay was to have something with which to anoint that man's eyes with. But listen, the purpose of the anointing, the purpose of the anointing was to develop this man's faith. To develop this man's trust in God. Did you notice that for this man to receive the blessing of sight, he had to obey Jesus? He had to do what Jesus told him to do. And notice, Jesus didn't make no promises. He didn't say, if you'll go wash in that pool, you'll receive your sight. He just told him to do it. And he did it. By faith, this man trusted the Lord, obeyed what he said, obeys the instructions to a T, went and washes in the pool. But had he delayed, had he delayed in obedience to the Lord, then guess what else would have been, been delayed? His blessing would be delayed. Friend, how many blessings have you delayed because you haven't obeyed Jesus? 
how many blessings have I deprived myself of because I refuse to obey the Lord? We see it. He didn't delay. And the result of this blind man's obedience was he came back seeing. He came back seeing. Like many other miracles in the Bible, this man's faith is what enabled him to see. His faith in Jesus Christ. Just like our faith. Our faith in Jesus Christ enables us to see spiritual things. Many of you may have heard the name Fanny Crosby before. Fanny Crosby wrote over 8,000 hymns, many of which we still sing today. But at six weeks old, Fanny Crosby developed a minor eye inflammation and she went to the doctor for treatment. But while she was there, the doctor used the wrong medicine and Fanny Crosby became totally and permanently Blind. All because of that doctor's carelessness. Years later, Miss Crosby said, I don't harbor any bitterness towards that doctor. In fact, if I could meet that doctor today, I would say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for making me blind. You see, she felt her blindness was a gift from God. It was a gift from God to help her write hymns that glorified the Savior that she loved so much. How in the world could Fanny Crosby, blinded by the tragic failure of a doctor, be filled with the joy and power of the Lord? How? Because she kept her heart focused on God. It didn't matter what happened in her life. It didn't matter what happened in the situations. It didn't matter what happened in her circumstances. Her heart was focused on the Lord. I believe that she believed God's word. When God said, my grace is sufficient for you and my strength will be made perfect in your weakness. She believed the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. She believed God's word. But also, we got to see that those disciples, the, the church boys, made a false assumption. It wasn't his sin or the parents' sin that caused him to be born blind. God chose to work through his blindness. And then that blind man, he was anointed. But it wasn't just to give him sight. It was to develop his faith in Jesus and, get this, also the faith of those around him. Listen carefully what happened next because his neighbors were absolutely astonished. In verse 8, Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that this man was blind said, Is this not he who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, It's like him. He said, I'm he. Therefore they said to him, How were your eyes opened? And he answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went, I washed, and I received sight. The neighbors were absolutely astonished. These neighbors said, ain't this that beggar? And another one said, yeah. 
And another one said, well, it kind of looks like him. But then the healed beggar says, I'm he. I'm the guy. I'm the one. And in the original language of the Bible, that's the way it, it sounds. It's insisting over and over again. I'm the guy. I'm the one that was healed. I'm the one that's no longer blind. I can see. I'm the one. Can you hear the excitement in his voice? But when his neighbor said, well, how in the world were your eyes opened? Again, the original language reads, how, 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 how? How in the world were you healed? But instead of asking H-O-W, maybe they should have asked W-H-O. Amen? Instead of how, maybe they should have asked who. Instead of asking how did you receive your sight, maybe they should have said who gave your sight to you. So many people want to know how. They want to know how. How could God come to earth in the flesh? How could God forgive my sins? How can I get to heaven? And then you got a lot of well-meaning church people that say, well, uh, if you'll just do good, you'll go to heaven. Yeah, you got some that'll say, well, you just make sure you're a member of a church and you'll go to heaven. You got others that say, well, you give plenty of money and you'll go to heaven. Others might say, well, if you'll just obey all the commandments, you might go to heaven. But I'm here to tell you this morning that eternal life is not about the how question. It's about the who question. Eternal life, friend, doesn't come by what you can do. It comes by what Jesus Christ has done. Only in Christ are we saved. But the blind man does answer that who question there in verse 11. And he said, a man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and receive my sight. That man went to the pool. And he came back changed. He went to that pool blind. But he came back seeing. There was a definite change in his life. Do you see that? And that's what happens to us. When we're born again. When we're truly born again, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That being the case, listen to this bottom line. If you're not a new creation, you're not in Christ. Did you hear that? If you're not a new creation, you're not in Christ. Now, I'll just say this. If you're not in Christ, then you're not saved. And if you're not saved, you're not heaven-bound. You're heading somewhere else. I didn't say it. The Bible said it. A new creation in Christ Jesus. Notice the change in this blind man's life. As he changed... All of a sudden, his neighbors started asking questions. What in the world's going on with you, boy? What has happened to you? You see, if you want an opportunity to share Jesus, let me tell you the easiest way to do it. Are you ready for this? If you ready, say amen. If you want a way to share Jesus, here's the best way to do it. Live Jesus. 
you want to share salvation, if you want to share the Lord, live the Lord. People will then inquire, what's going on in your life? What's happened to you? What is going on? See, a godly life, a changed life, creates curiosity in people who are sick, people who are burdened by sin, people who are blind and can't see those spiritual things. But a so-called Christian that's living like everybody else, he ain't got no testimony. He ain't got no power. He's not creating curiosity in the lives of the unsaved people. Why? Because he's acting just like they are. Are you a new creation? Bigger question, are you in Christ? Because if you're in Christ, you're going to be a new creation. If you're in Christ, you're going to be changed. Changed. Jesus challenges you this morning to let your light shine for him. Live Jesus. Live Christ. So do you have eyes? But you haven't been seeing? Have you falsely assumed that, that God can't use you? You're too old. You're too tired. You're in too much pain. You're too sick. Have you falsely assumed that God can't use you for the children of this church? Have you falsely assumed that God can't use you to change life groups or discipleship ministry in this church? Have you falsely assumed that God can't use you? You're too shy to go out and share with other people in our community? Have you falsely assumed those things? Well, that's exactly what the disciples did. God wants to use you. And God wants to use your trials to bring him glory. Have you allowed Jesus to give you sight? See, I'm afraid we've got a whole lot of people in the church who are blind. They're blind. Because they're not living Jesus. And when you're in Christ and you're a part of the church, you live Jesus. You live Christ. Now I know that only absolute faith in the Son of God alone brings that relationship that I'm talking about. But when that happens, a new creation occurs. Change occurs. Have you permitted Jesus to change your life? Or are you being stubborn? You're professing that you've given your life to him. But when everybody else, including yourself, looks at your life, you see no change. When you place all your trust in Jesus, he gives you sight. And let me tell you something, you listening? You will change. It's just what happens. It's just like the law of gravity. When you come to Christ, you will change. The question is, have you really come to Christ? Have you yielded your life before the Son of God who suffered and died on the cross 
to die for the, the, the sins that you've committed in your life? The question today is, are you ready to change? Are you ready for change? Maybe you need to come to Christ. Maybe you need to start living Jesus. Let's pray.